Tango Tango Papa 2133, July 30, 2023. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion? The product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you, coming to you this afternoon from Sterling, Illinois. So, uh, right now I'm backed into a dock, uh, waiting for them to unload the load. So I'll probably be here, uh, oh, I'm guessing a good couple of hours more. Been here for a little bit. Uh, so it's probably going to be at least another couple of hours, which is not a problem. The next load uh, picks up tomorrow. Let's see, what time does it pick up tomorrow? Tomorrow at Fort Madison, Iowa at 12.30 p.m. So uh, noon, noon 30. <laughs> And then that load delivers to uh, Stewart's Draft to Virginia, and then that'll that'll be a drop and hook on the Stewart's Draft Virginia end. So uh, weather-wise, I've been it really hasn't been too hot. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> right now, <clears throat> the temperature is really not that warm according to what the phone says uh, it's a little humid it's Google saying it's 81 degrees here right now it's about 128 in the afternoon so it's kind of uh, cloudy uh, more or less the sun's kind of out but it's uh, it's one of those days where the the atmosphere is sort of uh, filtering the sun quite a bit so it you know and periodically it'll it'll get brighter and then a bit dimmer but so there's kind of partial sun you could certainly get a sunburn on a day like today if you want you know if you were out in it very long so but in any case I've been uh, staying pretty busy the past uh, couple of weeks I guess I've, since I've been uh, back at work uh, I'm not sure when I guess I'll have to look and see when I recorded the last podcast it hasn't been it seems like it's been maybe two or three weeks I guess I should have looked that up already let's see that was on a July the 1st and so today is the what is today? Today is July the 16th, so it's been uh, a bit over two weeks. So, uh, in any case, uh, I've, as you know, I watch lots of YouTube videos. Uh, I listen to probably more of them than I watch because a lot of the time I'm driving and so I find 
a lot of different, just all kinds of different types of YouTube videos to, that are listenable, that you can listen to. You don't have to watch the necessarily watch the video you, portion. You might get more out of it if you watch the video portion, but uh, in the case of lectures where people are giving lectures about different topics, then that's... Uh, It's really not necessary to watch the video. Uh, it depends. It really depends. Sometimes if it's a lecture where they're showing slides, then it, sometimes it can be useful to look at the slides. But uh, in any case, the, uh, you know, so I was found this channel on YouTube. Uh, let's see if I got the name of it right here. I found it extremely interesting. The name of the channel is, well, that's not it. That's not the one. Where, <laughs> gotta find it here. Uh, the name, it's just the guy's name. The, his, his name is Peter Santanello. So the last name is S-A-N-T-E-N-E-L-L-O. He has millions of subscribers. And his videos get millions of views, and it's kind of a what he does. It's sort of a, it's really a documentary style, and he edits things obviously very heavily. And it's uh, he's but it, he's uh, what he's doing. He's going around the country to different parts of the. I guess it's, I haven't really explored his channel much, but from what I've seen, it's just the U.S into different areas and he's just he really kind of goes in depth and he finds these people and uh, gets a lot he's able to get a lot of them to come on camera and they'll you know so the, initially I was watching he was uh, in West Virginia and he was uh, kind of going through the the areas of West Virginia where they've you know they've parts of it have really been devastated by uh, the government kind of closing down a lot of the coal mines or causing them to be closed down by you know they've, they've done that by imposing restrictions on uh, power plants power generation type of stuff and so that's that's really devastated a lot of those communities and but it's interesting because the you know it's caused a lot of people to uh, leave those areas that were formerly kind of booming you know busy little towns it's caused a lot of those to uh, a lot of the people have left and then uh, there's the people that remain uh, some of them continue to work and live and then you have some of them uh, especially the younger people a lot of them are on drugs and, and and it's you know it's not just the younger people but sometimes the older people as well now that's not specific to West Virginia. That's that's actually happening all over the country, where you have uh, people addicted to drugs, and uh, it's really it's really a terrible problem, you know. And it's certainly no solution to be you know you know something like now I think even marijuana. Obviously, they've decided it's pretty well legal now I don't think I think that uh, it's probably detrimental and 
you know, certainly things like heroin and meth and all of that are really terrible. They're just absolutely devastating for the people that uh, kind of get hooked into that stuff. But in any case, uh, a lot of these, you know, he, he interviews these people and he's not trying to make them look bad. He's just, uh, you know, he has this way of... Uh, you know, getting people to kind of open up and really talk about their existence, and uh, you know, it's, it's, so it's, he's really good at what he does. So in any case, I watched a few of the app, you know, the things in uh, like West Virginia and in Kentucky and in Virginia, the so-called Deep Appalachia, and then uh, you know, and then now I've watched a couple of videos where he's. Uh, he was able to get these Amish people in Ohio to, uh, you know, kind of invite him to dinner, and a lot of them agreed, you know, and he only puts people on camera if they agree to it. They have to agree, he talks to them first, and then if they agree to it, he'll put them on the camera to, so to capture the conversation. And, of course, everybody doesn't want to be on camera, but surprisingly, a lot of people will. And so there's a, you know, it's very interesting, you know, and so this video that I've been watching, the guy, you know, there these, uh, it's a kind of a dinner type event that he's been invited to, and so it's sort of like afterward, they're all kind of around this big uh, d dinner table, and uh, they're having a conversation, and he's kind of asking them about, you know, being Amish and what what they think of the 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 people in the outside world that aren't in the community and and vice versa. Uh, you know, so, and then he's talking about them, talking to them about all kinds of different issues like healthcare and uh, you know how they do their healthcare, uh, what technology that they may or may not allow. Uh, you know, and it's all extremely interesting. And it got me to thinking, uh, you know, and this isn't anything new. I've thought about it quite a bit in the past. But human beings, you just take the Amish, for example, or it could be any kind of group of people, but the Amish are a great example. They've deliberately sort of isolated and as a group they've sort of isolated themselves uh, sort of ideologically from the rest of the world uh, to a large extent they have their ideology and so they've got the the group you know they kind of tend to stick with the group and it's based through the church so they have an idi they have this ideology that they the, the church uh, well, it's not necessarily the church, although it is the church. But they have this ideology where they uh, sort of use the group. They've all kind of, the, you know, the people that are in the group have sort of agreed that this is the ideology that we're going to follow. And they sort of use the group and the group behavior, the group dynamics in order to uh, kind of keep that enforced. And they're doing it, uh, they're, they're, you know, they, the, you know they're kind of using one of the guy's words, he says, that, well, there's a, you know, it's our kingdom and there's a kingdom of God or whatever. 
and then the kingdom of the world. So, you know, he's, they're talking about two different kingdoms, and so they're, they kind of, uh, you know, and of course their kingdoms, you know, what they think of as their kingdom is sort of based on the, you know, it's obviously based on the Bible and uh, their interpretation of it. And, uh, you know, and it's, you know, I've often said, you know, the church is kind of like, you can think of a church as sort of a spiritual jail to kind of keep you from falling farther. And that's why we have the Ten Commandments. That's, you know, and those are, it's a great moral framework. Uh, and it'll kind of, it's designed to keep you from further deterioration. And if you, you attempt to follow it, uh, you're more likely to not end up in complete misery. Now, it's not a guarantee, but uh, if you break that more, if you break your moral framework, and basically the Ten Commandments are sort of a, a written-out version of uh, what we, you know, we all have a built-in knowing of right and wrong. Whether you want to admit that or not, we do. And so that's that's sort of a, a written. articulated framework uh, of how to live and essentially it's you know like what not to do what to do and what not to do and I, I guess in order to avoid the major obstacles and that's all well and good but at the you know so people but the, what got me to thinking you know people come up with these if they think that some sort of a system is going to save them. The you know system is going to save them from uh, being miserable. Somehow a system is going to save them from suffering. And the problem is, you know, an externally imposed system can only go so far. And where we, you know, where we as human beings really mess up, of course, is uh, through the vector of resentment. And it's really imperative that you understand the danger of it because it, you know, resentment, you've heard, if you've listened to me any length of time, you've heard me talk about resentment endlessly some people have accused me of uh, you know just that's all I can talk about or whatever well fine and dandy uh, have a nice day <laughs> that's what I'm going to continue to talk about it whether you like it or not you, nobody's got a gun to your head forcing you to listen you know so but resentment is really is the our, our Achilles heel as human beings but it seems it's so appealing it, it it appeals to the wrong side of our ego and so you know it's entirely possible people do it every day where they're full of resentment whether they're aware of the resentment or not they're full of it and yet they're they may be adhering to you know external externally they may be adhering to all sorts of rules and you know and uh, 
you know, maybe even on the surface appear to be nice people, but the trouble is that uh, resentment kind of poisons the well, as it were. It poisons your ability not only to be a you know happy, healthy human being, but it, it poisons your ability to perceive the world correctly. Wrong can end up becoming right. Right can end up becoming wrong. That's this you know what the you know why you need you know most of us need some sort of guardrails to to kind of keep us uh, from further deterioration. But regardless of what system you choose to live by, it doesn't really matter. You know, at the end of the day, you need to give up. You know, you really want to be a, a better, less miserable human being, then you have to give up resentment. Now, what is resentment? Resentment is how we as human beings kind of play God in our own mind. Now I can use the word, you know, angry, bitter, uh, you know, all these synonyms. I can use these synonyms to sort of kind of describe around what resentment is. But it's very, it's a very difficult thing to define. Now, if you look up the word resentment, it, it sort of means, uh, the, you know, the book definition sort of means to feel something twice. But I think that that, that doesn't even really capture what it is. It's, uh, you know, you can think of it as a, you know, when you resent, it's like your wrong side of your ego sort of puffs up and you know, like it's some sort of a cobra snake, and uh, you know, you and it's as if you could hurt your, you know, as if in your own mind you're God, and you're hurling mental thunderbolts at people, places, and things in order to destroy them, as if your thoughts could kill them, as as if you were God, and that's that's where we as human beings go off the rails. We really do go off the rails, and so we need, you know, once you resent, you either face, you know, your conscience is going to, you know, kind of tell you that that's wrong, and you know, and so you can either face that conscience and realize what you did, or more typically what people do, they become proud of... Uh, what resentment kind of turns them into and then they you know aka why are we having all these pride marches you know they're silly and and all of these identities that these people are so proud of that they have to they have to have marches and flags for uh, whether it's labor or abortion so-called abortion rights or whatever it is they have, you know, they've got their flags and all this stuff and, you know, they have slogans and chanting and all of that stuff and they're marching. Really, at the end of the day, they're just, uh, you know, they think, well, there's safety in numbers somehow. 
and you know and if the more the you know and they they but they really think that it's the other people that are making them feel guilty but the problem see is if you the more you resent resentment comes packaged with its own denial mechanisms and so the more you resent you resent this you re, you know typically people resent their parents when they're first you know because those are usually the first people you encounter or even the absence of parents people can resent the placeholder or the the absence of it you know it may, maybe you don't have a dad or whatever dad was just the sperm donor and uh you know and he's not around or whatever and so you resent the you know the resent the dad that's not there <clears throat> and so but let's say you you're fortunate and you have two parents and they're halfway decent parents and uh you know they're not perfect but they do the best that they can maybe they do maybe they don't but you know children little children tend to look at their parents as if they're gods they come into this world with expect you know kind of expectations you know you can think of it as a sort of a blueprint we've all have we all if you think about it we've all kind of got these blueprints of, you know what would be the ideal thing you know you have the idea of the you know there's an uh, like an idea of a perfect circle you you know uh, from an idea or a blueprint standpoint you can imagine a perfect circle but it doesn't exist in the real world no matter how perfect you try to make the perfect circle the perfect circle can't exist in the physical world you know maybe you can come pretty close but it can never be perfect uh, it's ne it's never as perfect as the blueprint is so we have this idea about how our parents should should uh you know, and it's a kind of a vague idea, but we have this idea about what, how the parents should be. They should always be just, and all of the all of the stuff. You know that you imagine your hero would be, and then uh, the parents kind of, when they test the parents, you can think of the you know they sort of end up sorely disappointing them. You know, and they got feet of clay, which we all have feet of clay. But we make the mistake when we resent, and we come with this proclivity to resent. You know, every human being, even if we had perfect parents, we'd end up resenting something, because we have this proclivity to play God in our own mind, and that's how, that's how we do it. We resent, and then we become proud of it. We try to find other people that will kind of help, help bolster our pride. But the problem is, uh, you know, you come into the world, you resent, resent your parents, and then you resent the other people at school, children around you, you resent this, you resent that. And as you go through your existence, uh, you end up kind of with all kinds of problems, and, and most of them uh, go back to resentment. Now, that doesn't mean that if you don't resent that you're going to just have a perfect trouble-free life. I'm not saying that. The, what I am saying is if you can give up, if you can get rid of the resentment, then whether you in whatever problems you may or may not encounter, a lot of them you're not going to even encounter them because, uh, you know, you could, you, could kind of, you could see clip more clearly and you could kind of avoid the problems. But the problems that do come along, and they will come along, if you don't resent the situation, then uh, you emerge from it unscathed. Resentment causes you to absorb 
the negative aspects of your environment. So there's this line in the Bible about being in the world but not of it. What does that mean? Well, it means that you can be in the world, you can interact with the world, but if you're not resenting, if you have no resentment, then that means that uh, you can actually not absorb the world. You can interact with it, but not absorb it, not absorb all the negative stuff. Resentment forces is what forces you to care. You hear people say, oh, I don't, I'm not going to care about this or I'm not going to care about that anymore. We, you can't, it's not your choice. What's forcing you to care about it is the fact that you resent. You may not, and like I say, it's packaged with its own denial mechanisms. So you think, well, why, why am I caring about this or why am I caring about that? Well, you've got these buried resentments. You know, and, and people will swear, oh, I, you know, when I talk about this, and I, you know, I, I talk about this in person with people, and they'll all the time, and they'll say, oh, I don't resent my parents. But chances are you probably do, and it's it's worth it's worth examining, you know, because most people, I'd say 99% of people do resent their parents, or they have resented their parents, and your parents may be long dead, but you're 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 resenting their memory you're you're it's causing you to interact with the world in a wrong way and so therefore it's really useful to you know when you're when if your conscience if what you think of as a guilty conscience if it if it bothers you or if you some sometimes you're something pops into your head and it makes you kind of feel anxiety about you know it could be a, something you get quote unquote triggered by person place or thing uh, reminds you of something and you're triggered by it and certain thoughts are triggered by it uh, what you want to do is really face instead of running away and trying to distract yourself distract your thoughts away what you really want to do is face whatever it is and this idea oh well I can just think positive thoughts and you try to repeat positive phrases that's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous what you need to do is face whatever it is that you need to face you know and you figure out well what was my you know go over it with a fine-tooth comb what was my part in it where did I go wrong and then if you really examine that deeply and you really do understand honestly you take a brutally honest look at your own part and whatever it was you can avoid it in the future you don't have to repeat it and then you you, you know and then furthermore you won't feel guilty about it anymore it won't won't be bothering you anymore you can whatever your situation is if you're able to actually deal with it properly then you, you don't have to it you know it doesn't bother you anymore and it's not going to be sort of buried in your psyche somewhere screwing your health up or, or continually continuing to screw your uh, the perceptions up continuing to screw up your interactions with other people so regardless of what system you've decided that, you know you're going to live live by If you can really give up resentment, take it take it very seriously. Figure out 
what it is, real, or realize is a better word, of what, what resentment actually is, realize what it is, and then simply, you know, ask yourself, am I really, you know, and be honest, you know, am, you know, did I resent this person, or did I resent this situation, that situation, and chances are, if you feel some sort, some level of anxiety over some person, place, or thing, could just be a thought of something that happened in the past. If you really feel anxiety over it, chances are there's there's buried, buried resentment. There's about a hundred percent chance that there's buried resentment, and you need to get rid of that. You need to look at that and then let the resentment go. Uh, realize that people are imperfect. Maybe they deliberately screwed you over. Maybe maybe they did the best with what they could, but or with what they had, but they just it was it was inadequate. They missed the mark, you know, because that's what we're really talking about is missing the mark, you know. Uh, when I talk about a blueprint, you know, an ideal blueprint, well, what is that? Uh, you can think of it as a sort of a, a marksman, like a bullseye. We miss, we all miss the mark, so we kind of go through the world uh, missing the mark, and you know. You know, kids see their parents miss the mark, and then they end up missing the mark. And if they have kids, they end up screwing those kids up because they're missing the mark, etc., etc. So the real thing to do is realize what resentment is, and then let it. You know, and then realize realize how to let it go. So once you realize what it is, and you realize that it's a mistake then you can let it go. I, you know, I've given this example many times, and I'll do it again. Uh, imagine that you and I do agree to an experiment, you know, and I, as part of the experiment, I'm going to slap your face, okay? And so I, you agreed to it, and so I slap your face with my hand. You feel the pain of it, but you don't resent it because you knew it was coming. The knowledge that it was coming was sort of a modifying influence. Now, if someone just walks up off the street and slaps your face, chances are you've got the pain, the physical pain of the slap on your face. But there's also this other something else that, that you, you know, your ego is puffing up, you know, kind of wishing that person dead. As if you were God and you could just strike them, strike that person dead with your thoughts. How dare they? <coughs> Excuse me. That's resentment. That's resentment, and it's that's useful, useful little thought exercise or a thought experiment to go through, because then you can realize what it is. Once you really realize what it is, then it's able to, you know, your human beings are great at pattern recognition, and you can find it within yourself, because that's really where you need to find it. Maybe it's easier to see it in other people. Maybe you think you see it in other people, but it's probably most. The, the most difficult to see it in yourself because like I said resentment comes with its own package with its own denial mechanisms so you need to be able to recognize it within yourself and if you can really let that go uh, existence becomes a breeze now that doesn't mean that it's not uh, that, that you're suddenly perfect and uh, 
you know, the, there are no problems or whatever, but it, 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 what it does mean is that it, the burden is lifted. And so life really, be, you know, existence, I prefer the word existence, really does become uh, an easy thing, you know, to deal with. Now, that doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't have to work hard and that, that uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but it, it, it uh, removes a giant, uh, let's say, a psychological slash spiritual burden that's taken off your shoulders if you can really give up resentment. It's an amazing, amazing thing that happens. So it's now, oh gosh, uh, about oh, two weeks later, <laughs> a bunch of days later. Today is uh, the 30th of July, so I think I made the other recording on the 16th, the first part of this, so about a half a month later. I have I did take time off. I took, uh, I don't know, it ended up, well, it was really kind of like four and a half days off, something like that, close to five days off for my time off, and then I... Uh, Never did get around to recording a pod, you know, kind of finish recording a podcast. So I uh, now I'm back at work. I've been back at work uh, for uh, I don't know three or four days at this point. So at the moment I am uh, in uh, Connecticut. Uh, let's see, someplace called Madison Township, Connecticut. I am uh, unloading at 10 a.m. in the morning in uh, Asonet, Massachusetts. That's how they pronounce it. I would pronounce it Asonet. It's actually spelled A-S-S-O-N-E-T. Uh, you know, but I don't know. <laughs> They, they, oh, it's as, it's a sonnet, a sonnet. I don't know how the town got its name. That's probably some guy's last name, but it looks like, you know, I'd say I'd rather prefer to call it. My preferred pronunciation would be a, asinet, <laughs> but uh, oh well, or asonnet. But uh, so anyway, I unload there in the morning at. Uh, 10 a.m. Thanks to Google, I was looking uh, at a place where I'm unloading. It popped up and it, when I looked at it on the ma the Google map, said, you visited here 10, 10 years ago. So it's been 10 years since I've been to that particular uh, receiver. So, but in any case, I could keep driving, but it's, what time is it? It's about... Uh, 7:10 Eastern Time in the evening, and I'm still about 103, 105 miles away, uh, something like that. I could keep driving, but uh, you know, as it gets later, then I, I run the risk of not finding a place to park, and I'm not really fam that familiar with. Uh, this uh, s section of I-95, so Connecticut, 
when you first come into Connecticut on I-95, uh, it coming you know coming from like the New York state line, there's a series of uh, four. Even though it's not a turnpike, it's there's a service plazas. There's a series of four of them that are spaced fairly close together. Drive 22 miles. So the first two were uh, jam-packed and then there's a truck stop at exit 40 uh, pilot truck stop of course it was jam-packed but it there was a lot of pe local drivers that were using it as a parking spot of course uh, so that was uh, out of you know I, I did stop there and I got some reefer fuel and uh, some uh, chicken wings uh, so I'd have something to eat because I, I wasn't sure where I was going to park at. But so I found this this fourth service plaza actually has uh, a couple of a couple at least a couple of trucks park parking spots remaining. Now it will probably uh, completely fill up uh, by the time it gets dark. It's still daylight, you know. Now. Looks like the traffic that's uh, going south on 95, although it's more more of a westerly direction, it's considered north and south. The traffic that's going towards New York City, the thing is kind of backed up and maybe moving like 20, 30 miles an hour. So. Fortunately, I'm not going that way. I did run into several traffic jams today, but uh, so it looks like after I unload it, uh, Ace on it or Asinet, Massachusetts, then uh, the next load, they, they sent another load that uh, picks up in uh, Bridgewater, Massachusetts loads at one o'clock tomorrow afternoon Eastern time and then that delivers to uh, Jonesboro Arkansas and that should be a drop and hook looks like it's a drop and hook in Jonesboro kind of whenever I get it there so that's not too bad of a load So anyway, as I said, I uh, did take some time off. Uh, it was, you know, I didn't, you know, it wasn't really very eventful. I did get stung a couple of times when I was mowing the lawn. Uh, I've got this one shed, and I and normally I try to get as close to it as I can, and. Uh, but I never saw it happen, but there were, uh, I got stung kind of simultaneously once on uh, my right hand on my right, you know, first finger, and then uh, also on my shoulder. And I th think it was probably a wasp, it was probably a wasp nest that I sort of disturbed, and so I, you know, and it did, it was kind of interesting. It did cause my hand to sort of swell up. It, of course, it really hurt whenever it happened. It hurt like hell, but that went away after a few minutes, and then it was kind of sore to the touch. 
then over the you know my my hand ended up the right hand ended up being swollen for about uh, oh I don't know the better part of three days you know you could kind of visibly see that it was swollen and that that uh, kind of slowly went down I think my back was probably shoulder you know was probably swollen as well but uh, that was you know that's a little bit more difficult to see you know whether it was or not but in any case certainly my hand was swollen I've never had that happen before I you know I looked it up and uh, they say that you know that sort of a sting that you can actually end up with uh, you know body part like that remaining swollen for up to you know a week so but it you know it kind of did go away and it was a little bit itchy uh, where it was swollen at but then uh, at this point it's gone I can still see where it uh, stung me on my finger and I've still got some uh, you know and I may have gotten stung twice actually on my shoulder because there's two like scabbed areas that I can feel so it, it's possible that I got I may have actually gotten stung three times you know three different uh, places two of them would be very close together on my right shoulder blade and then the other one would be uh, on my right finger and that that would make sense because they you know those things will jump right out and they're defending their nest wherever it was so not pleasant uh, but you know it stuff happens so uh, but otherwise I uh, you know did did kind of all the regular things my parents are still there from South Texas so I did hang out with them and uh, hung out with the various friends and what have you and kind of did all the, the regular things. So I've kind of, you know, I was thinking about, you know, people keep asking me, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? And I, at this point, don't have any immediate plans to, you know, to quit my job. Uh, I think as I've said before, I think that would be actually uh, rather foolish on my part because I would—I uh, know what would happen. I would quickly, uh, very quickly, kind of get bored with it and feel like, you know, I had an empty existence, etc., etc., etc. And uh, that's not good. And what would inevitably happen, I'd inevitably have to try to go back to work. Well, to, you know, kind of, you know, and there's a lot of people that actually do that because they, they realize, hey, this is boring. It's not what you thought it was, uh, not what it's cracked up to be. Maybe it is for some people, but for a lot of people it isn't. And uh, they go back to work or they try to go back to work. Now, in my case, this is probably the, the this is the best job. It's the best paying job I'll ever have driving a truck. Let's face it. And you know, there's well, the thing with trucking. There's no such thing as a perfect trucking company. 
but and you know trucking is not certainly it's not a perfect job either but there are you know you can go to it's uh, the other way you know it's a bottomless pit as far as uh, you know really terrible uh, trucking uh, companies comp or you know jobs etc it can really uh, get bad so Therefore, if I know that there's a probably a 95% chance that I would go back to work if I did quit, that I'd end up going right back to work, then why would I quit a job that, uh, you know, why would I go from uh, the best job that I'll ever have to potentially something quite a bit lesser? So, you know, I, sh you know, therefore I should just keep continuing uh, doing what I'm doing. Uh, you know, and then I was thinking about this, you know, every month that I continue to work, that's one more month that I'm not living, you know, I'm saving the Social Security, I'm not living on the Social Security. That's one more month that I'm not uh, pulling money out of my uh, retirement accounts, you know, you know, and I could probably figure, you know, there's, they have a formula as far as uh, figuring out how much money you should pull out of your, you know, like your retirement accounts. They've got a formula for that. They just, you know, you take your age and then you sort of guesstimate how long you think you might live and then you divide uh, the amount of money that you have in your retirement accounts. You divide that by uh, the number of months that you think you're gonna live. And, you know, that's kind of dangerous because you don't really know how many, how many more months are you going to live. That's, that's kind of hard, a hard thing to predict. You know, now in the case of my parents, uh, mom is 98, dad is 89. Uh, he is almost 90 and she's almost 100, you know. And uh, they're still <laughs> still around, you know. Now in their case, you know, they've got money to live on, and uh, you know, they dad never, you know, he's they still have to take like a mandatory amount out of his. Uh, he had some, you know, kind of retirement accounts, and they they have to take the like a minimum required minimum distribution fortunately they're able to live on the the money that they have that they get otherwise so you know and even with the you know it, I don't know how much money's left in uh, those accounts after they take the required minimum distribution so you know it's uh, 
you know, and then the other thing is with all this inflation, who knows where that's going to go. That's a, that throws a real monkey wrench into things because people think, well, I've got uh, X amount of Social Security and then I can pull out, uh, you know, X, X amount of dollars out of my retirement account each month. And so I'll, let's say I end up with... Uh, Let's just for the sake of argument, let's say I, you know, you end up with thirty-five hundred dollars a month to live on, you know, and you're on a fixed income of thirty-five hundred dollars a month. Well, could I live on thirty-five hundred dollars a month? Yes, actually, I could. Uh, you know, my house is paid for. You know, vehicles are paid for. Uh, I could actually live on that. Uh, you know, I might have to trim my lifestyle back a little bit. You know, I'd cut back on all the the eating out that I do because I do a fair amount of eating out, obviously. Well, because of you know driving the truck, <clears throat> I'm just kind of more or less stuck with that. So, you know, now they're you know you do have people that try to cook in their trucks, and I'm not not one of them. So that's just too much. Of a, of a hassle, but uh, more than I want to do. But some people do it. But uh, you know, kind of been there, done that. Uh, got tired of it. Pretty, you know, after a while, you can save a fortune doing that. But after a while, I got really tired of it, and then the food would just rot, and I gave up on the whole idea. You know, I just spent all the energy that I had towards that. So. But I could live, I think I could live on 35, you know, let's say I had, you know, fixed income, $3,500 a month. I could live on that. Uh, and I, you know, because I don't have any payments as far as uh, debt, you know, it wouldn't be uncomfortable. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, what would I do? What would I do with my time? You know, now if I, if and when, and it, it's a matter of when, if and when I get to the point where I can't do the, this job anymore, and let's face it, that, you know, that happens. And it, it you know, people don't live forever and eventually they, they get to, the, you know, they can get to the point where they just can't do the job anymore. And that happens to everybody, you know, pretty much. You know, so it's it's a safe assumption to make that it's going to happen. You know, so if and you know when that happens, then uh, you know I'll cross the bridge when I come to it. What what will I do with my time at that point? But, uh, so every month, I don't know, every month that I keep working is another month that uh, I'm not using the Social Security and I'm not uh, pulling money out of my retirement accounts. And like I say, we don't know what's going to happen with this inflation, you know, and there are people that are making all kinds of dire warnings about... Uh, the monetary system and the government debt and uh, you know which is kind of outrageous 
you know, we've been on this increasing, you know, this curve and people, it's nothing new. People have been predicting it for years that we get to the point where they're borrowing more, you know, that they can't uh, service the interest on the debt anymore by, you know, the borrowing it just, they're borrowing money to pay interest. Uh, at some point that can't work anymore. You know, and then you get in, you know, so then the choice is uh, either things completely collapse, which they will at some point. They're really good at kicking the can down the road. But at some point, you, there's no more road and, uh, you know, you can end up in a, you know, potentially in some sort of like a hyperinflationary situation. So I think it. Uh, as you know, with all things being considered, it's wise for me, since I am in you know still about as good a shape as I have been uh, for years, uh, and there's really no reason there's really no reason why I should uh, quit working just because I you know reach an arbitrary age, because as long as I feel like I can safely do the job and uh, do it uh, relatively successfully then uh, any opportunity to continue to do it remains and I should continue to do it and you know, so that's what I you know and of course I keep reevaluating this but uh, that's something that I periodically kind of think about but but every month the main idea every month uh, that I continue to work every month uh, is another month that uh, I'm not trying to live on a fixed income and it potentially puts me you know in each as each month goes by in a better and better potentially better situation uh, and you know, again, you know, kind of with with the inflation and what have you, uh, you know, especially with the, the potential specter of some sort of uh, of a partial economic collapse or let's say a monetary collapse, uh, hyperinflation type thing. You're probably better off overall. You're probably better off if you can continue if you're working than you are if you're trying to be someone in a hyperinflationary situation. Uh, be someone on a fixed income. I can't imagine what that would be like. Uh, you know. So you know. But at the present, I, like I say, I'm, my plan is to just keep right on. Uh, at the present, just keep right on working and uh, sort of wait and see what happens. So I think I'm going to bring this to a close. Uh, so hope everyone is having a great week or has a great week. It's been the weekend actually right now. So I hope you have a great week coming up and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. 
He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. 